Do I know you? Do you know me? Maybe not, but what if we can find out what we have in common by listening? I really believe in the power of storytelling to connect human beings. In this podcast, you will hear the voice of people who by choice or by obligation have moved to a new place. Culture shock, self-discovery, belonging, these are all parts of the journey. I never expected to have such a culture shock when I moved here and uh, for many years the Americans were just a mystery to me. Yes, we all have diverse backgrounds, but shouldn't we try to discover what we deeply share? You know, you meet all these people from all these different cultures and there's certain things that's the same everywhere. My nature is to find common ground uh, with anyone. I always can. I am Valérie. Welcome, perfect stranger. Kiana is a young lady who has lived in two different countries, none of which is the country of origin of her parents. We don't actually belong anywhere. Wherever we go, we have to be more flexible than everyone else because we have to adjust, even if it's just a little bit, who we are, how we live, to fit in with a culture that is not entirely our own. She learned early on how to be flexible, adapt, and find the people with whom she can be herself. And I don't fit into a country, I fit into that small community of the world that's international. And wherever there are people like me, that's where I would be able to be myself. Hey, are you ready to listen to a story? Thank you for having uh, me. Kiana. So I don't know if you want to begin to tell me where you grew up. So I was born in Montreal, Canada. And when I was 10 years old, um, my family moved to Paris, France, where we lived for four years. So I was there from 10 to 14 years old. Um, and I moved here just under four years ago. So I finished three years of high school here um, and now first year of college. So you don't have any Quebecian accent. No, I lost it all. <laughs> because in France, there is so much pressure to get the right accent, otherwise they make fun of you. So we were. <laughs> so you understood right away that we need to fix this. <laughs> yeah. So was it your passage from Montreal to France? Was it hard? It was hard. You know what? The first three years of the four were really difficult, and it was only the last year that the whole family was able to enjoy it. It, it took three years. It was really long. So what was the main obstacle for you there? Canada's a, a lot like the US in that everything's about being comfortable and ease of access and air conditioning everywhere and big cars and big stores. But in France, or in, pa in Paris specifically, it's you know big city, loads of people crowded. It gets hot in the summer and there's no air conditioning. Apartments are small, you know, not the same convenience. So lifestyle was very different and also I found 
people in Paris, Seoul, are not very welcoming. They expect you to become like them, otherwise they're not going to talk to you. So. so then, moving from Paris to Bethesda, did you have another shock? Yes. I knew what we were getting into when we came to the US, but the mentality of the people is very, very different. So it would have been very difficult to fit in in an all-American school. Luckily, we had an international community at ours. So, but you would say that it was less difficult than to, to come in Paris? Or you, your age was different, so I don't know. I would say, had it not been for the international community at school, it would have been more difficult than the transition from Montreal to Paris. Mm. But solely because of the international community, I did not have to change anything about myself to fit in here. So when you arrived in the school here, you right away you met foreigners? Yes. So you went to the international club or...? Yeah, right away after the first few weeks, met someone in the international community, in the international club. She told me to join and then it all kick-started from there. So yeah, and you didn't have that in Paris, where all French in your school or...? I went to an international private mm. school, so they were all internet. They were French and something else. So that did help a little bit, mm -hmm. but still, big shock. What is your family background? My family's from Iran. During the revolution, they escaped, and they met in Canada. But the their goal became to go to the U.S. once they came to Canada. Had there not been a revolution in Iran, they would have stayed and nothing, nothing would have changed, but because of the political situation, mm -hmm. they left. So, and why did they want to come to the United States, do you know? American dream, that's what it is. And it, at the time, it was so big. Right now, it's a bit less, but I think a lot of people from the East and from the South, South America right now, always think of America as this big safe haven that's not There's nothing like the other countries that's freedom of everything and opportunities are there. And so I think for them it was ingrained in their brains at that time. And more than to stay in Canada. Yes. Canada was, for Iranians at the time, like a type of refugee camp. It accepted so many Iranians. So for them it was like, It was where everyone went. So then from Canada, they had to go to Paris. So they make like it was a detour. Yeah. <laughs> it was a detour, yeah. But we went to Paris for my mom's job. But even when we went to Paris, they already knew at some point this is going to be the US. And at home, you have always spoke Farsi with your parents? Or? Yes, Farsi is my first language, so that's what we speak at home, but now it's become a mix of French, Farsi, and English. Oh. <laughs> yeah. and the people don't understand, what, you know, when we're talking in public, we'll speak the three languages at the same time and people will get lost right away. And have you have had the occasion to, to go to Iran? I have, twice. Once I was too young to remember much of it, but I went back about six years ago. And I hope to go back within the next two years for an extended period of time. You have a lot of family there? Or? Yes, a lot of extended family. Or mm -hmm. And what is your memory of when you went to Iran? Was it strange for you, that country? No, I knew 
exactly what it was like. It, good, something good about Iranian culture is that when Iranians move away from Iran, they do not try to forget about the culture, the language, everything. They try to pass on as much as possible to their children. So my brother and I, when we went back, we were Iranian. We, we spoke the language, we knew all the foods, we knew the cities, we, we knew what we had to dress like. We knew the political situation, everything we knew. So it was not a shock. I knew exactly what so it was. So you didn't like. feel awkward there? No. And your family here is in relationship with a, a lot of other Iranians? Are you in a... In a community type yes. thing? There is a big one in Bethesda, but my mom is not part of it. Oh, my, my parents separated last year, so my dad is now living in, the, in California. And my mom never got involved with the Iranian community here. So you, you, you go to the Nauru's picnic or not even with the all Iranian community here? Or? We did this year. I'm surprised you know what Nauru's <laughs> is. <laughs> yes, we did this year with my dad. So your mother doesn't really need to keep the contact in that sense with the community? I'll tell you what, my mom uh, did her best to transmit to my brother and I the Iranian culture, language and everything, but she does not feel Iranian at heart. Mm -hmm. So she has no problem not being part of the community, but she wanted us to have the choice, you know, when we grow up, if we want to. So I knew, I mean, having been brought up in different cultures. So if somebody asks you, Where are you from? That's the question <laughs> that we can never answer very um, simply. I usually, it depends on the situation. If I'm talking to someone who's from France, I will say I'm from France. If it's someone from Iran, I will say I'm Iran. It depends. Um, if, you, if it's the bigger picture, I usually omit Canada because the first 10 years, I don't think shaped me very much in my life. I usually say I grew up in France, but I'm, from, I'm Iranian and I live in the US. But I guess you, people very often have a place where it's their childhood place. They would go see their grandparents or where they lived or where they would go in, they went on vacation. Or, do you have a place like that? I think there would be more than just one. Montreal has to be one because my grandmother from my mom's side lived there. And I remember we went to her house every Saturday night and we were there all of Sunday. Um, so that has to be one. And my, my dad's side, they live in, in the LA suburbs. So we would go back every single year on spring break. And that was also kind of a childhood home. Um, and in France, it would have to be my apartment. All, those three places I would say were the childhood memory places. And so, No, I mean, you have lived in different places. So for you, there isn't a place where you belong. Like, I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I had a presentation about this this um, semester, but actually the title of the presentation was on being a foreigner everywhere I go. And the reason for that title was because our, my family is not purely anything. So wherever we go, We always have people tell us, but you're fake Canadian, but you're fake French, but you're fake Iranian, you're fake everything. So we don't actually belong anywhere. Wherever we go, we have to be more flexible than everyone else because we have to adjust, even if it's just a little bit, 
who we are, how we live to fit in mm -hmm. with a culture that is not entirely our own. So we don't actually belong anywhere. But I think it's beautiful that we get to take all the pit, uh, bits and pieces from the cultures that we like and omit the ones we don't like and then that makes us who we are. You know, when you say fit in is when you force yourself to be like the others, you come mm -hmm. in a place and you don't want to be, you know, different. So you, you take the thing that people are doing and you try to do as they do. And belong is where you feel like you can be yourself. Okay. You know, in that sense, because, I mean, you can have different interpretation. Living here, for example, do you feel in a way you belong here too? Because... There are a lot of people like you coming from different places with different languages. And... Um, I think I've had a very illusion-type experience here in the U.S. because my four years I've been surrounded by people who are international. So I, I would say, yes, I belong, I can be myself and all of that. But when you take the international people away, I'm not sure I would belong that much. Or I would not sure I would be able to be myself. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking the US or Bethesda in general, I don't know if I belong. I think it's the international community mm -hmm. that makes it so that I can be myself. Yeah. But without it, I'm not sure. There is such a small portion of the population that is international, or what I call international, which is we belong to different countries. And, and that's where... I think I fit in. I don't fit into a country. I fit into that small community of the world that's international. And wherever there are people like me, that's where I would be able to be myself. So they call that third culture kid. Because you have lived in different places, you are not from one place. And where you are at home is where you live and you feel good. It's not a physical place somewhere. So mm -hmm. I guess that's Yeah, that sums it up really well. <laughs> Now, if you had to have a dinner with perfect strangers and you want to invite people that are very different from you and you have no idea who they are because they are really perfect strangers for you, Who would be the people who are like <laughs> very, very different? Very, very different. The first thing that comes to mind is Midwestern cowboys. I have never met. It's very stereotypical that people with the southern accents, mm -hmm. and I would love to sit down in a room full of them and just get to know. Speak more to them. them. Yeah. yeah. See what you can have in common. Yeah. That would be, I think that's the most polar opposite from where I am, is that. What do you think could be common grounds? You know what? I don't know, but that's why we would have the dinner and we would find out. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Maybe we can arrange that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> and if I speak more generally, what is your hope for the world in general? I would say on the global politics scheme of things, a more charitable approach to conflict abroad, less invasive, less profitable, more charitable. What I see a lot is countries that claim 
to be helping other nations in need, but there's so much hidden profit in the help that they're offering and it's not honest, charitable help that they're offering. And I just wish that some of these big West world countries would, instead of always looking for some gain somewhere, where can I, if I do this, will they give me their oil? Maybe we'll see, you know, just more charity, genuine yeah. charity. Yeah. In the same order of things, what do you fear? I mean, if you fear something. If I fear something, lack of cross-cultural understanding leads to miscommunication or not no communication at all. And no communication will silence voices who need to be heard for a solution to be found. So I think lack of communication resulting from a difficulty of understanding other cultures. And do you think there is something we could do for that in the education system? Because you went through three different system. education systems. Did you have the impression to do something at school for that? You know, for this understanding of cross-cultural differences? Or could they do more or do differently? Or? I, I wish I could speak for Canada. I cannot because I was too young and I don't, I was noticing all of those things. I'm, I'm sure they do not um, do anything to help that in France. I, I was in a private school, so my case was very different. Mm -hmm. But in the public system, I'm sure that it's very... Uh, if you're not exactly like us, then we don't want to talk. I'm 100% sure that's how it is in Paris. And here, I, I had a feeling it was such a segregationalist approach to it. I mean, we had the 200 student international community and the rest of the all-white school. None, no one from one group talked to the other. And it wasn't by fault of either. It was not as if the rest of the community was discriminating the internationals. It was really a reciprocated sentiment. Let's just put it that way. So isolationist. I mean, the, the international community could not have been more isolated from the American white body. So no, I, I have not felt that in either of the two systems for which I can talk, do anything to help cross-cultural communication. And do you think, because, you know, in a way, in a school like there is here, where you have a lot of international students, it's a richness because you have this possibility for people to know each other that you may not have in a central state where there are few foreigners and it's harder to say, hey, let's do something together so you can see, you know, that we are all the same and we can share things. And so why doesn't it happen here? I mean, why do you think the international kids in high school are a separate group from the rest and they don't mix? The obvious answer is we're just too different. But what goes along with that is it's not really that we're, we're too different. It's that we're so different that it's, it takes a lot of effort to break the walls. And very few people are willing to go through what it takes to break those walls. It's really, a, to put it in the simplest of words, laziness on all our parts. We just don't <laughs> want to stay in our comfort zones. We don't want to get out of it. So by being in the international club, there's there are people from all over the world. So even in that community, I guess, you have people you feel closer to, to you than others in terms of culture because 
they are in the same situation in the sense that they are not from here so you have this thing in common but then so different still in the same club no i agree so many people say that and it's true is there like a kind of foreigner um, solidarity or there something is. like that in the face of an all-white school there is and i think it's just intimidating going into a school like whitman which is very very white um for some of us not me but i'm sure some people feel intimidated because they struggle with the english language they don't look like the americans they don't dress like them so you can find comfort in a community that of people who are so different from you even if you can find comfort in that um, it's better than being alone in the face of so many it's like clones to right. us it looks like <laughs> an army of clones <laughs> in this international community did you speak about that i mean was it a topic like how do you relate with people here what are the codes what are the things who are inappropriate i mean the newbies who would arrive would you like teach them something about <laughs> how it is or it's working there everybody would just find his way around and uh... i don't think when there were new international people at whitman we never had this conversation with them so this is how it works around here we <laughs> never did that but You give the new people one year, maybe 18 months, and they reach their own conclusions, which is always the same as everyone else. And it's that what brings us together as an international community is just how different we are from the Americans. It's not necessarily how similar we are, mm -hmm. just how different yes. we are from the Americans. And everyone, we have had that conversation, but it's always been at, at the end of the school year, usually when internationals have had the whole year to experience what the dynamics are really like at school. I heard that Americans are very friendly when you arrive. I guess maybe after they just keep to themselves, they have their life, their friends, their sport, and that's when it doesn't happen, I guess. I mean, they are friendly at school, but they would never invite you, or you wouldn't do something together after school. Or... That's well said. I would, I completely agree with that. I haven't thought about it that way. I completely agree. I have been told by friends that in middle school, it was, people were more welcoming for some reason than in high school. But I think you're right, it's because in high school, you know, at 15, 16, 17 years old, these people already have their group of friends that they've grown up with, they have their lives set up for themselves. They don't have a reason to go out and look for more international friends. They already have it all. So we're the ones who are complaining and struggling and trying to fit in, but at the same time, yeah, they have their lives set up. Why would they get out of their way to make friends with us? Unless they're curious. Unless they're curious, which most of them are not, but <laughs> I think over the years, the international community has become a safe haven so much for internationals that the Americans who could not fit in in their own American society have also found refuge in the international club because the international club is accepting of everyone regardless. For me, it's difficult to understand what is cultural appropriation and what is not, you know, what I can do or not do. And I don't know if it's clear for you because you are young and you were born uh, in a society that is tending toward that and, you know. Yeah, although I was only exposed to all of these rules when I came to the US because they're 
there weren't rules before for me. I know where the line is. I'm not sure I agree with where the line is. In fact, I disagree. I, I don't think it's where it should be. I'm pretty sure the whole political correctness deal has it summed up pretty well. You know, you say African-American instead of black and you say uh, Latinx instead of Latino or Latina. Oh, yes? Yeah. Latinx? Yeah. X like? Latin X because you don't want to assume the gender of the person. Yes, or you also, you say your pronouns when you, before you talk to someone, you say, hi, my name is Kiana and I go by she, her, hers. Those are some things that the U.S. is now conditioning the younger generation to. She, her, hers. Yeah. I go by she, I, yes. There is an infinite amount of pronouns. People can invent their own pronouns. It doesn't have to be she, her, hers, or he, his, his, or they, theirs, theirs. It can be a something that they invented, anything. It's up to you. So then now you, you don't ask somebody's gender, as you don't ask somebody's cultural background or nationality, or you don't ask anything personal on. Essentially. So you can ask hobbies? <laughs> yes, you can what ask they study. That. Yeah, you can ask that. At university with the other students, there are subjects that you know no talking? you shouldn't... There are, for sure. I don't respect any of the rules that are set like this because I don't agree with them and I'm consciously breaching them because I don't agree. So it's cool. Whatever the consequences are, I'm assuming the responsibility. But there, there are topics that are not meant to be spoken about, like whether political correctness is a good idea or not, because the uh, answer that is that this state conditions us to believe is, yes, political correctness is, is the right way to go. Are some ethnic groups making more money than others? What are the, the means of different ethnic groups? Are women making as much money or should they make as much money as men? The answer is yes, and if someone says, no, then you cut their head off. <laughs> I, I don't, of course, I think women should make more money. But the, the, the thing is, a lot of it here in the university is about censoring people. I, I completely agree that there are opinions that, you know, why in the 21st century should women not make as mm -hmm. much of the men? But it's not by censoring those who oppose us that we're going to eliminate the the problem or a fix fix whatever we're dealing with you know i don't understand this whole we don't agree so we'll censor i think if you think women should not make as much as men let's talk let's figure it out but man, i don't want to censor you yeah, it's true speaking about racism would be a no-go topic or uh that's the way they want it to be yeah i i speak about it i don't care but <laughs> um but uh, yeah that's they want you to filter yourself. So, and uh, as we were speaking about, you know, cultural appropriation and what is cultural appropriation and the fact, seems that now the fact that to wear some traditional clothes from another country or ethnic group would be inappropriate. So, you know, what would happen, you know, like in, at university, if there is a day of, you know, I don't know if it exists, a day where you can wear what you want and uh, you could see, I mean, people would be very careful with that. 
I'm pretty you sure think? most people would be. And if they're not, there would probably be repercussions at the administrative level. They would probably convocate them, like ask them to come in and there would be some, if you don't respect the unwritten rules. And are there written rules when you began university, they, they make you through, I guess, uh, all yeah, packet of... Uh, so do, do they speak about these things? They do, but a lot of, you know what, a, a lot of the rules are, you know, be respectful, don't discriminate, don't do this, don't do that. It's very, very broad concepts that I think everyone agrees with. But what we disagree with is, for example, if I show up, as you're saying, for example, in a whatever, Senegalese costume, because I think it's nice and I just want to wear it. And my intention was not to disrespect or discriminate or make fun of i just think it's nice but someone else might think that i am disrespecting the senegalese by doing this so they'll refer back to the rules and saying she's disrespecting so that's why we're different is that i don't think i'm dis. i didn't mean it to disrespect right. someone sure it's in the rules don't disrespect but i'm not to my knowledge disrespecting anyone mm -hmm. so it's the interpretation of the rules yes. i think yeah i see what you mean it's true, I've heard a lot that it's a big issue in universities now, the fact that people who think differently complain that they are censored and they can't express their opinion. And, you know, if it's not open in university, where is it open? Because it's there that you can discuss, develop ideas and, you know, grow right. up. And, you know, that's a kind of... So it should be the place, like, the place with the Agora, well. where you can... Public discussion. I agree. And especially because universities is where the future of every country is, the young generation studying almost soon-to-be scholars. I mean, this is exactly the place where people should be spreading ideas. So, it's a shame. Thank you for coming. I mean, it was a pleasure to have you, Kiana, Thank and you uh, see uh, how it is also for a young person. <laughs> it was interesting. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>